0: Oh, man, it's so good to be at camp. I love camp. I got diarrhea at my first camp. Yeah, when I was a little kid. It was the worst. Oh, you can't talk about that, can you? Wait till you see my pictures. You're going to really love it. Oh, man, camp is so much fun. Hey, guys, seriously, camp is this, this collision of two different things. It's like this collision of a different experience with uh, the outdoors, you know, out in the lake, doing all this stuff, right? And uh, seeing all the beauty, of the trees, and the lake, and all that stuff is really cool, right? And then there's these, these moments where we just encounter uh, something spiritual. And uh, hopefully tonight will be one of those nights. I think that you've already experienced it. How did you like Living Proof, the song Living Proof, huh? Yeah. Right on. And uh, we're, we're looking for proof. We're always looking for proof. We're always looking for proof that there, uh, this, this story that we've been fed our lives, if a lot of you, all your lives, you've heard about God or you've heard about spiritual things. And depending on the kind of family you grew up in, you heard different things about it, right? We've all heard... Uh, some of the same things, but some of us have learned uh, very little, and some of us have learned a whole lot. And um, I just kind of kind of show you a different way of looking at some stuff. Can I do that? Then I think it points to the living proof that God is so awesome, and he's real, and he's alive. I mean, in my own life, I've, I've seen how God has uh, done some really awesome things in my life. Because Uh, So some of you don't know much about me because you're new. How many are new first time to camp this year? Okay. So a lot of hands. So we welcome you. We will do the initiation later. I hope you brought rubber boots and some handy wipes uh, would be really helpful. Uh, But this is going to be a really, really fun, fun week. Uh, But um, there's this, um, there's this, this thing that happens when uh, you grow up in a home where things don't work real well, right? In my home, things didn't work very well. They started out really awesome. When I was a little kid, I loved being alive. When I was five years old, I loved climbing up into trees, really high up into trees, Um, my grandson Jude loves to climb trees too. And I think he got my genes for climbing trees because he likes to keep going up to the tallest part of the tree and then sway back and forth in the tree. And that's what I love doing. I used to climb up into this really tall tree. I'd get so far up there. If my parents ever knew that I was up there, they would have freaked out. But I would get really high up in this tree. And so the tree would start out about this big around at the base and by the time I got up to the top, it was about this big around. And I would just swing back and forth, and I just feel it. I just hang on to that tree, and I just rock back and forth. Loved it. Anybody ever climb trees? You like that? Oh, man. One of the things I love to do is I loved ropes. I've got a rope right here. Yeah. I love ropes. And uh, this looks like a good place. I'm going to do something. I'll put my mic down for a second. I get a rope like this. I throw it. Yeah. Yeah, I just throw it up like that. You know, the reason I got it first try is because I've done a lot of these. And I would make a rope swing. And I would get on that rope swing and I would just swing back and forth. I should turn it really into a one, a real one, shouldn't I? Okay, let me do that real quick. Oh yeah. If this beam falls, duck. So I would make a rope swing, right? I would get it going. You're really worried about my water, aren't you? So I would just sit here on this swing. And it would just start rocking. And pretty soon, I'd just close my eyes. And I could feel it. And you pretty soon there'd be a rhythm, and it would make a circle, then an oval. It would go front to back, and then off to the side, and it would go for a long time. I loved it. I could feel it. I could feel it, especially if I went over a cliff. I'd put them on these big branches that would go over a cliff, and I'd get on it and just swing way out there. Oh, yeah. Went way out there. There was something about it. There was just something in me when I'd cl- climb that tall tree, or I'd get on that swing, and I would feel the rushes. I'd just, way out there. Probably as wide as this. In fact, if you've ever been to my house, you know I have a swing that you can jump off a platform in my backyard and it takes you way over across the whole yard. It's awesome. But that came from my childhood. My childhood was surrounded by some really good things like that, but also some really tough things that I had to deal with. And so when I would go home, sometimes there were some things that weren't so cool. My mom was sick when I was about 10 years old, got really sick. Uh, And when I came home, it was really hard for me to deal with that. So when I'd go out and I'd get on my swing, or I'd climb the tree, or I'd build my tree fort, I'd always put them over a big cliff, and I would sit on my creation that I built and looked out over the cliff. It was awesome. I loved it. But I could feel something. When i go backpacking. And hiking. I'd see the lakes. And see the rivers. And the streams. And watch the water rush between the rocks. I could sit for hours sitting on a big rock. Looking at the water go down. I could feel something. Something in me came alive. Has anybody ever felt that? You ever felt that where you might be all alone? You'd be cruising on this this long trail or you're going out in a a boat someplace and you just kind of lay down on the bottom of the boat and you look straight up at the stars? You ever slept outside at night? Have you ever done that? You slept outside with a sleeping bag and you just laid out there and you look at the stars, you watch the moon, watch the... uh, Watch the falling stars go. It's so awesome. Something inside you comes alive. You start asking questions. If you have a friend spend the night and you're out in the backyard laying on your trampoline, looking straight up at the sky, and you're looking at what's going on in the sky, and you go, "How far is far and how big is big?" How big is it?" It's so awesome. Or you'll be sitting there playing on the beach, and you look you see a rock, you pick up the rock, and you see little crabs scurry all over the place. And then you notice that there's little tiny bugs that live under that rock. Little tiny ones. And then you wonder, how small is small? How small does it get? How small does life forms get? And you just realize, oh, my gosh, this is really cool. When I was a little, uh, about 10 years old, we went to Whidbey Island. We had a cabin that was right on the beach. I got a picture of the beach. Let's see. I think we can pull it up here. Can you guys see the, the screens? Okay. They're coming. There it is. This is a picture of the beach by our cabin. And uh, I would lay on that beach right about where the dog is. You see the picture of the, the dog? You see the, the 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 girl and the dog? And... I would lay down on the, on the beach on my towel and wait for the tide to come up. It'd take maybe an hour for it to get up to where my feet were. And I could hear the waves lapping. And they'd just crash. And I'd hear them. And you'd hear the rhythm. You could almost, you, you knew when to expect a wave to hit. There was a rhythm. And slowly but surely, it got closer and closer where I felt the first cold touch of the water on my toes and there was something that came alive in me when that happened it worked its way up to my knees to my legs to my face all the way up and I would lay there until it got to where it came up to my mouth then I would scoot up about two feet and wait for it to come back up again there was a rhythm. That rhythm wasn't set by me and it wasn't set by man. But it's a rhythm. And it's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. For me, I started to discover some things because I was learning things in school that were, that were great. And I was memorizing how to make letters and I was memorizing my shapes and I mes- me- 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 uh, memorized the, all the states and all the things that you learn in history and all the stuff as a 10-year-old kid. And I would learn all those things, but when I got alone or when I was with my friends down on the beach at our cabin, I, I didn't learn from somebody telling me. I learned by discovering. And I learned how to roll logs into the water at that beach because there was this big driftwood, and I think we have another picture of the driftwood. There's the driftwood. I'd make forts and roll those logs into the water. Then I would take rope like this and tie the logs together and make a raft and get on that raft, and I would go sailing out into the deep blue sea, pretending like I was going to a foreign land, and something came alive inside of me. I would dive off the end of that raft and try to go down and pick up rocks down six, eight, and 10 feet down and pretend like I was diving for oysters or I was looking for crabs. And I had a wild imagination, but something inside of me just came alive. When I got a little bit older, things got worse at home. And so I did some other things to get some other adventures because I, I, whenever I would go out into the wilderness, I would always feel alive. Like everything was going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And so I'd go out there. And uh, it would be so beautiful and so peaceful. And I would just sit there. And for just a little bit, everything was going to be okay. I could just feel this peace rush over me. And then somebody told me that you could ride trains. And trains, if you got on a freight train back in the days that I was in high school, you could just jump on a train and ride it to wherever you wanted to go. So I got on one in Everett and rode it all the way over to Wenatchee. And while I was laying on the floor of that train... I felt the rhythm of the train going. Laying there, looking out the window, seeing the beautiful skyline. It was amazing. I loved it. And for a moment, everything calmed way down. All my problems, all the things that were going on at home. At school, I was getting bullied all the time, people making fun of me. Not really sure why they picked me but they did. and uh, But when I would get out there in that nature, and when I get out there on these adventures, I learned something. I discovered some things. It opened me up. It was amazing. And so when we talk about living proof, there's living proof when we see people and the lives and how their lives have been changed, but there's also living proof That God exists when you look at his creation and then you see that it's stamped with his signature on it. When you know that every tree and every lake and every river and every animal and every insect is totally stamped with the creator's unique creative ability. So awesome. I love it. And the beauty is that as time went on, I started to realize there was something spiritual involved with what I was doing. But I just couldn't put anything, any words to it. I could just feel it. Because when I would go to church with my parents, they took me to a church, and there was a lot of kneeling and standing and singing and things that I didn't understand. None of it made any sense to me. And they were trying to expose me to... God in a way that they had learned. But I wasn't discovering God this way. I was discovering God out in the wilderness doing these amazing explorations that I would go on. And then pretty soon I started to realize that this was the answer for me. So I decided I was going to be a forest ranger. I'm going to be a forest ranger. That's what I'll do. Then I'll be in the woods all the time, and I'll always feel this feeling. But that didn't happen. My mom got very sick. I ended up being her caregiver. And uh, crazy stuff started happening in our home. Some of you have heard my story. But I want to read you a passage of Scripture before I go any further with, with this story because you're going to find out where it's going to take you in just a moment. Because I think some of you have had encounters similar to what I've had. Where you went somewhere and you experienced something and you just sensed that there was a presence with you. A beautiful presence. A peaceful presence. A vib- almost like a vibration or a rhythm going on. And what it is is you're starting to pick up that God is trying to draw you. In Romans chapter 1... Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you don't know much about the Bible, but let me take you back 2,000 years when Jesus walked the earth. There was a lot of people that loved what Jesus was teaching. He was teaching people how to forgive one another. He's teaching them how to serve one another. He's teaching them how to love one another. He's teaching them how to, how to heal one another. He's teaching them how to show compassion to people that were different than them. And he taught them the ways that God would want people to act. So people flocked to him. They loved him because he was so kind, even to people that weren't kind. He was kind to them. He loved everybody. And, and they weren't used to this because in Rome, the authority in Rome was so mean that they took the Christians and turned them into human lamps. They would catch them on fire. To burn in front of the public. They persecuted the Christians. And there was a reason that they did this. The reason they did this is because the Christians said that Jesus was Lord. And you have to understand something before we read this passage. You have to understand that if you say that Jesus is Lord, then you're saying that He's the supreme authority. And when you say that He's the supreme authority of your life then you're saying that Caesar or the government, and in, like in our country, it would be the president. If you say that Jesus is Lord and the president isn't, or the Caesar is not, that's worthy of death. That's worthy of death. And so this book called Romans is written to the Christians that were in Rome that had suffered... Losing family members to this tyrannical government. And so they were very wicked. And so it starts out, this passage starts out in Romans chapter 1. Starting with uh, verse 18. I think we have it on the screen. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all, uh, all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since they may be known by God. um, I'm sorry. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because they've made it plain. I'm reading from a wrong translation here. Okay, let me read it from mine. God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. And they clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Isn't that wild? And so what, what, what they're saying here, what Paul, the apostle Paul is saying is, He's saying, you know, these guys that are persecuting you, these evil men that are surpassing, suppressing the truth. They're trying to keep you from believing the truth. They're trying to tell you that it's a fable. They're trying to tell you that it is powerful, but it's not. I said that backwards, didn't I? But they're lying. They're trying to keep it, to keep the truth suppressed. They want to keep it suppressed. Like pretty much today. There's a lot of people that would like to suppress, suppress truth. And, and we're living in a day where there's all kinds of things that we can't talk about with one another because we're afraid that somebody's going to think we're crazy or somebody's going to accuse us of something or they're going to judge us or something along those lines. So everybody's afraid to talk about the truth. And so back in these days, everybody was afraid of talking about the truth. And so these wicked people were trying to suppress the truth, but they could not deny the truth because since the beginning of time, they saw the evidence of God through the sky, through the trees, through everything that was created. They saw his divine nature. They saw his stamp on everything. And so they were without excuse. You know, you may not believe some of the things people tell you about God, but you can't deny His creation. You can't deny that somebody made that little tiny baby that came into your family a few years ago, or maybe as of recent. When you are a child and you're playing with bugs and you're looking at little animals and you're studying all these things and how everything works, you gotta believe that none of this was an accident. There had to be a design. There had to be an intention. And any of you that ever go on to study the human body and you start looking at the intricacies of the human body, you're going to realize, that, oh my gosh, this could not be an accident. This couldn't just evolve out of nothing. This had to have some sort of intention involved with it. If you're a biologist and you look at ecosystems, you're going to see the evidence, the living proof that God exists. It's amazing. It's amazing. But I'm going to show you something. When we were um, out, we have a big piece of property. Our church owns a big piece of property not too far from here. And uh, we want to do an outdoor school out there. And so we took about 25 kids out there for an experiment. And we were out there for a week. And we were looking around at different things. And um, one of the favorite things that the kids had is they loved looking at animal scat. Do you know what animal scat is? It's poop. For some reason, they were just fascinated about the poop, because they really realized that there's all kinds of poop. And the poop is representative of the animals that left it there. And so when they realized that they were looking at poop that that they've never seen before, they wanted to know what the animal was. So how would you like to see a picture? Let's look at the first picture. Does anybody know what this first picture is? What's that? What is that? Who knows? It looks, kind of looks like rabbit poop, but it's a lot bigger than rabbit poop. Looks like deer poop, doesn't it? It's not deer poop. It's elk poop, all right? Now, when you once the kids identified this, they knew that even though they couldn't see an elk, they knew an elk was around. Cuz they saw the poop. In other words, all they had to do is look at the creation and they knew who created it. Want to look at another one? Let's look at another one. Let's look at another. Let's look at Oh, there is a good one. That's kind of a it looks like kind of a Christmas poop. Uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that lovely? Okay. So, Now, look at this. This was their, I got to tell you, this wasn't the favorite, but it was close to the favorite. See the seeds? It's berries. And who eats berries? Bears. Oh, the kids love that. The thought that there was a bear in the woods, they thought that was the coolest thing ever. And uh, so, but when they saw it, They knew who created it. So whenever they see it, they're going to know a bear's been here. Okay, let's look at the next one. Okay. Now this one, this one has fur on it. You can see it more clear on the next one. Is there another one? There it is. Okay, so now... This happened to be, this happened to be the favorite of the boys. The girls like the bear and the boys like this one. Because they would eat the rabbits and they would eat the little furry creatures. And so you would know who the creator was by looking at the creation. Are you following me? All right. All right, you can turn, that, you can you can shift it off there. So, I don't want to gross you out too much, but it was living, <laughs> living proof, living proof that bears, coyotes, exist in the woods. So I learned really quickly that you can learn a lot. From looking at God's creation. You can look at God's creation. You can learn a lot about his nature. Because it says it right here in this, this passage. It says. For ever since the world was created. People have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities. His eternal power. And divine nature. So they have no excuse. For not knowing God. So we have no excuse. Because there's something on the inside of us that comes alive when we connect with it. And so what I would encourage you to do while you're at camp is I would encourage you to look around and see what you see. You're going to see God's creation in a different way. And I want you to listen when you get alone on a bench or down by the river or take some morning time to have some devotions. And it's great that you're going to be going into classes and you're listening like you're listening right now and you're learning some things and all that. It's awesome. But what's really powerful is when you discover When you you tap into the presence of God, and I believe you're going to do that at this camp this week. Because when you tap into his creation, you can can tap into his messaging. He has something to say to you. He has something to say to you. So let's go on. Let's finish this, this passage. It says, yes, they knew God. He's talking about the wicked people. Okay? But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. You ever known anybody like that? They know that God exists, but they don't worship him. They don't give him any thanks. They don't acknowledge him. Maybe you're here today and you know about God. You're here, you know there's going to be some things talked about God, and you're going to sing songs about God, and you're going to go to classes about God, and you're going to be hanging out with people that, that talk about God and go, you know, all those kinds of things, all right, but you can know God, but not worship Him. You can know God and not glorify Him. For ever since the uh, see then it goes on to say, as a result, their minds become dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desire. I feel like God's doing that today. I feel like that there's people that want to do shameful things. Shameful things with their bodies, shameful things with their lives, shameful things with their, their words, shameful things in their relationship. Okay, I mean, this is the scriptures, right? This was written 2,000 years ago. And then it goes on to say that he abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desires. As a result, they did vile, degrading things with each other's bodies. This is what happens when you turn your back on God or when you choose not to acknowledge him. You start doing things that, that you'd be embarrassed for people to know. Why? Because you know it's not right. Nobody has to tell you. Nobody ever has to tell you. Nobody has to tell you what's shameful. Nobody has to tell you what's wrong. Nobody has to give you any rules. You know. Because you have a conscience. But sometimes what happens is our conscience gets hard. And then he turns us over to our dark minds. And then it goes on to say this. He t- traded the truth about God for a lie. We're seeing this happen a lot, guys. The truth about God has been traded for a lie. We have to be careful, we ha- especially in the days in which we live in. There's all kinds of things that are kind of new. They just popped up in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And they're, they're selling you a lie, and, you, and they want you to abandon the truth. And so this week, while you're at camp, I don't want you to follow God because I do. I don't even want you to believe what I'm telling you just because I'm telling it to you. I want you to take some time to discover and listen to your soul. Listen from the inside because this week is a big week, okay? There's going to be some nights this week where there's going to be some pretty emotional things that happen. Because God people are going to get wrecked in the presence of God. God's going to speak to them throughout the day, and in their cabin, laying in bed. Amazing things are going to take place. It's going to happen to you, just like it happened to me. I don't know when, it might be tonight, it might be tomorrow night, it might be tomorrow morning. It might be the last day. It might be when you get home from camp. But I'm confident. You're going to find him. Because you're here. And he brought you here. Some of you had no choice. You got sent here. You had no idea what this was going to be like. But it was divinely orchestrated for you. The timing, the cabin, your team, it's all been orchestrated by the Lord. He knows what he's doing. Some of you don't understand why you got in that cabin or on that team. But you're going to find out as time goes on, and it's going to be amazing. Some of you are going to make friends at this camp that you'll be friends with for the rest of your life. And you'll remember this camp, and you'll say, man, I met you back when we were in 10th grade. That was 60 years ago. You remember that thing you wore? You remember that thing you put in your mouth? You swallow those. Remember that, that teacher guy who stuck bear poop on the, on the wall? I mean, on the screen? Yeah, I'm not going to put it on the wall. Yeah, it's close enough to the wall. But they traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. You guys, when I'm talking about God's creation, I'm not talking about worshiping the creation. Don't go worshiping trees or fish or bugs. That's not what we're talking about. It says here that the evil people, the people that were trying to suppress suppress the truth, those people, those people were the ones that began to worship the creation and not the creator. Are you following me? So we don't worship the golf course. We don't wish to worship the fishing pole or the fish or the hiking or the, any of that stuff. We don't worship those things. But we go there and we feel that rhythm. We feel that energy. We feel that life force. We feel the divine presence of God because it's his creation. We know who made it. Now I want to show you something else you can learn from, from Creation. We were out on this property, and not only did we look at bear scat, but we also saw um, this next picture. And it's ivy growing on this tree. It's kind of pretty. It's green. It's crawling up that tree. If it's left to crawl up the tree, it goes to the next picture, and uh, it'll crawl right up that tree. Some people think ivy looks really pretty on trees. But as you can see, as it got to the top, it started to choke the life out of the tree. And the next picture, pretty soon, it strangles the tree. We can learn a lot by looking at this. Some of you, if you just ask God right now, by looking at it, you can know exactly what God is saying to you about this. It's choking the life out of that tree. But you know that ivy doesn't even belong in the forest. It came from another, a, a completely different country. And the way that it got here, it got here by birds. Birds eat the seeds on the ivy. And then what do they do? Right. They release their creation. And when they release their creation, their there's seeds... From the berries that they've eaten off of the ivy plant. And they drop them. And if they land by a tree and they sprout, they'll grow up. And then they'll begin to choke the life out of the tree. Now, we took the kids out there and I told them about that. And the minute they realized that those branches of that ivy was killing the tree, those guys go, Can we rip it down? I said, have at it, guys. And they, they all were fighting to get that ivy off that tree. They were pushing each other out of the way. They wanted to take that ivy off so bad. And they started ripping that ivy down really quickly because they wanted to save the tree. And I said, you guys, you can relax now. This tree's already dead. They're like, what? The tree's dead? Yes, it's dead. This is what happens when ivy chokes the life out of the tree. Right Now, can you think of a, an analogy in your own life where something choked the life out of you or somebody you know? And maybe it didn't take their life, but it took their love. It took their hope. It took their peace. It took their joy. It took their happiness. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes what happens is there are things that get dropped into our soul and into our minds. Little seeds. I got some seeds. Right here. Little seeds. And uh, ivy is called an invasive species. It invades. It invades, it comes in, and it tries to destroy And take over to be in charge. And all it has to do is drop a little seed. Right there. And if it sprouts, it'll grow. It'll choke the life out of the soul. And so, as little kids, we hear stuff. Maybe our mom or dad said something that hurt, hurt us. Or we hear something from somebody in our, our family or a friend at school or somebody that we don't like at school and they tell you you're stupid. Oh, you got ADD. You'll never be able to handle this. You know, you got some kind of mental problem. You got some sort of... And they drop little seeds into your head. And... If they sprout, they could turn into ivy of the soul. You're stupid. <laughs> You're never going to have any friends. Nobody really likes you. You're never going to succeed. So I sit, I'm sitting around a little fire, and 25 of these kids are sitting around. They're all, you know... Eight, ten years old. And uh, I, I was telling them about ivy, and I said, Did you know that there's ivy that could be growing on your brain right now? And they're like, What? No! And I said, Yeah. It could be on your soul, it could be in your heart. I go, But it's, it's not something you can see, it's somebody planted a seed. right there, planted a little seed. Has anybody planted a seed in your heart or in your mind that is invading your soul? And one kid stuck his hand straight up. He goes, I do. I was told I'll never succeed at anything. I said, that sounds like Ivy to me. Write it down on this piece of paper. So he wrote it down on a piece of paper. And then another little girl says, my mom told me I was stupid. I go, write it down on a piece of paper. Another one said, my friend told me I was ugly. <laughs> nice friend. <laughs> Those little things, the little seeds. Has anybody ever had a seed planted in them that you know you carried it, right? Right? When I was uh, in fourth grade, there was somebody that said to me, Hey, Murray, why do you walk so funny? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I was born that way. And he starts laughing. So you know what? For two years, I would not walk in front of my class. Because I was embarrassed that I walked funny. So I, I received the seed, I watered the seed. I kept it and I believed it. But guess what happens? When somebody tries to put a seed in you you, that you don't receive and you just flick it off, guess what? It, It can't grow. But in the kingdom of God, what God has told us to do is he's told us to think on things that are honest and pure and just and of good report, things that are virtuous and praiseworthy, we're supposed to think on and meditate on those things. And we allow those seeds to be placed into our spirit and then beautiful things happen. But here's what happens. And this is what happens to a lot of kids that go to church. It could happen even in UD, in this, this camp. It's so the next picture is sometimes there are some seeds that spread to the whole forest where a whole group of people believe that, yeah, you know those things about God. I ain't buying it. It's way more fun to live outside of religion, organized religion. It's stupid. doesn't make any sense. Hey, if you think organized religion is bad, you should see unorganized religion. (laughs) But seriously, have you ever known anybody that's walked away from the beautiful things of God and then found something better? Something that helps more people on the planet than any other thing. And right now, there is a significant number a high percentage, I think it's something close to 80% of all health care in the world comes from some sort of Christian organization. If you go to Africa, almost all the hospitals, almost all the doctors and all the clinics are all ran by people who are in love with Jesus and want to do something good for the planet because they follow him. And so when we begin to look how creation works, and we begin to see that there's some living proof (laughs) just by looking at creation, that there's life lessons, and there's God's signature on everything. It's amazing what takes place in our own lives, because then we can learn lessons from that. And I want to continue Continue to read a couple of just a couple of scriptures I think that are really interesting. It says in Psalms 19, verse 1, it says, Heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In Psalms 139, starting with verse 13, it says, You formed me in my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully. Fearful and wonderfully made. So, there is a there is something that I would like to encourage you to do this week. Uh, Has any of you in the last month? Don't raise your hand, but just ask yourself this: Has any of you in the last month have you had some form of emotional challenge, like you felt alone? You felt forgotten. You felt abandoned. You felt lost. You felt hopeless. You felt some form of emotion that was negative. Have you felt that way? In today's society, if we feel emotions and if we feel things, we Have learned that those are where we take our direction from. And I want to encourage you while you're here is to look at it a little bit differently because some of us are going through some really challenging times right now. Right? Challenging at home, or challenging at school, or challenging with your friendships and your relationships, or maybe you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or or you did. And it emotionally ended up in a mess. And, or your parents, you and your parents don't get along. And there's a lot of emotional things that are said and communicated. And I, as we're looking at creation, we have to also look at, we were created to feel feels. But we weren't created to do what the feelings tell us to do. We were created to take our cues from God. But our feelings are meant to drive us back to God. So what I want you to do is the next time you feel angry, I want you to take a look at that feeling and realize, oh, this is a result of me being created by God. So what would God want me to do with this feeling that I have? I don't feel like I'm being loved or I don't feel like I'm confident in my sexuality or I don't feel like I am confident in my faith. I don't feel, and we say, we say these things out of our mouth or we feel them, but what do we do with them? I believe that loneliness and fear and hopelessness and despair are all feelings that we get To send us back to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. They were never meant to give us directions to quit, to give up, to run away, to isolate, to drug up, to sex up, or any of those things. Our feelings were meant to make us inquire of God. And David, the shepherd boy, he wrote lots of music, wrote lots of poems. He wrote all kinds of stuff. And as he got older, he became a king. And he went to war. He went to battle. And he had, a, he had another king that was coming after him that was trying to kill him. He was chased down. He was, they tried to spear him. They tried to ambush him. They tried to do all kinds of things to kill him. And he wrote... Amazing things. Because every time he felt emotions like, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm in a bottomless pit. I feel like I'm sinking in quicksand. I feel like I'm in the miry clay. And David would say that his emotions sent him back to God every time. And he says, God, why have you abandoned me yet? I will praise you all the more. And what was he doing? He was, he was allowing his emotions to give him a cue to go back to the creator And so even he knew that he was created by God, by God, that he was a a product of God's creations. And so were his emotions. And he knew that those emotions were meant to send him back to God. The next time you feel lonely. The next time you feel abandoned, the next time you feel hopeless, the next time that you feel that you can't go on, the next time you want to run and you want to completely hide, and the next time you just want to get angry and you want to hit back and you want to get revenge and you want to post it all over social media, don't listen to your emotions. Listen to God, the creator The one that gave you those emotions in the first place. They're not wrong. They're just alerting you that there's something not right. And the way that you get it right is to go back to God. Now listen. I'm going to say something to you that might be kind of hard for you to take right now. But when we talk about our truth. That's an important thing to understand. Your truth by itself may not be something that you can even trust. What we would do first is we center ourselves on God's truth, the truth of God, because a lot of people have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, like the scripture says. And you guys, I'm telling you this. I'm preparing you for the world to come. I'm telling you, you have to get this down in your spirit right now. You have to get this down. Before you can find your truth, your true truth, you got to find his truth. And when you find his truth, then your truth can be trusted because you center your truth on his truth in your life. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, and so in this room right now, a lot of us have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And this week, you're going to uproot that ivy out of your soul. And you're going to go back to the truth. I believe it. But don't just listen to what I'm saying. Don't just hear me on this microphone right now. I want you to get out there and get on your raft and hear from God. I want you to roll those logs into the water and go sailing. I want you to put that swing up and swing away until you hear and feel the presence, the rhythm, the the knowing of the vibrant God that is alive today on the earth today. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what he says And what he says is that you were fearfully and wonderfully made and he knit you in your mother's womb and beautiful things are about to happen. So tonight, I want to say a prayer for you guys. And uh, I have some, some good seeds up here, actually. Those seeds I put on everybody's heads were actually good seeds. These are flower seeds that are up here. And when you plant a flower seed a flower seed sprouts and then it grows a stem and then a leaf and then a bud and then it blooms and it's like it's almost like saying hello world I'm here look at me look what God has done and I really believe that God wants to plant some flower seeds in your soul. Some things that need to grow this week. Maybe you came to camp and you weren't that open. And you're like, oh man, maybe I just should just give this a try. I want you to take one of these seeds when you leave here tonight. I just want you to put it in your pocket just roll it around in your hand maybe just look at it this little guy it's a little tiny little seed and it can grow into a flower that's this tall very quickly it takes about four weeks for it to get this tall once it sprouts. Something that this week a good seed could be planted in your heart if you open yourself up, but you got to open up your heart and let God's creation speak to you. And you're sitting next to people who are also God's creation and I believe that they're going to have something to say to you this week. I believe some of these counselors and Teachers and friends, we're going to plant some seeds in your heart. But before we can do that, we got to get rid of the, the bad seeds that have been planted. And so I want to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you know that somebody has planted a seed in you that wasn't the truth and you've accepted that seed and it's started to grow and it's affected you in a negative way I want to pray for you it says here that they traded the truth about God for a lie they traded the truth about God for a lie you know what you can also trade the truth about you for a lie so before we go into this week can we uproot some ivy out of our soul if you would be so bold if everybody could just bow their heads and look within if you have a seed a seed that has been planted into your soul and you know it's an invasive species you know that it has taken root and you want to yank it out. I want you to come down to the front I just want you to kneel down here. If that's you, maybe you'll never be a good leader. Nobody really sees you. Nobody really cares. Nobody really wants to know you but he really would even notice if you disappeared. Let's yank that lie up. Maybe you've heard some things at home or you've heard some things at school or you've heard some things, even from a teacher or a coach, that just completely made you give up or quit get angry or feel bad about yourself. Don't even like to look in the mirror because of something somebody said. We're going to get that out of here. We're going to get back to the truth. The truth is you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're amazing. You've had tough stuff that's happened. People have said bad stuff to you. I get it. Guys, here's what some folks have done in their desire to live a life that's healthy and good. They hear it, they hear something. They see something. They experience something that keeps them from going out and discovering. They quit looking around for what God has for them and they turned this rope that was meant to connect them to God to a rope that literally wants to hang them and bind them up tie them up and you were meant to grab this rope and swing for God you were meant you were meant to climb this rope and see what's at the top and to see how far you can swing it this rope was never meant to stop here by tying you up and binding you up and choking the life out of you this rope was a lifeline that connected you to God. And as you hang on to it, and you realize that it's just the enemy's a liar, and all you have to do is pull a little bit, and there's no noose. He can't grab a hold of you. Grab the line. What is that line? God, I surrender. I choose to follow you. Remember the preschool ropes? All the kids would grab a hold of the rope and you'd walk the preschoolers out or you as a preschooler would walk out holding that little rope, hanging on to that ring and you just keep on going. As long as you followed the person in front of you, you were good. You're golden. You got to where you needed to go. God's got a rope. He threw one out to you. He didn't mean for you to tie yourself up with it. He meant for you to grab a hold of it and follow him and get on the lifeline. Counselors, would you lay hands on, on these young people that are here tonight all around this room if if you're back in your seats and you know you're supposed to be up here let's rip that seat up when they're done praying for you when you're done and you're ready to go back to your seat just come up here and grab one of the seats and take it back with you it's a good seat it's a good seat you're beautiful you are going to be something Powerful. You're going to be very powerful. You're going to be a force to reckon, be reckoned. Creativity is going to come on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for every person that is down here. I pray, God, that the seeds that are being planted this week will be planted in fertile soil. And every seed that is not from you will be uprooted this week. We're going to trade the lie for the truth. And we will not be the same. We will not be the same. not be the same grow seed grow grow seed grow grow seed grow